I just want to say good morning to everyone that's here in the presence at House of Destiny and also give a shout out to all our listeners and viewers online as we're live streaming this morning. Um, got a good word for you this morning. Um, I want to go ahead and um, get into it this morning. Um, bear with me. It's been a minute since I had stood up here, so got to regather my thoughts. Had a night oil burning last night as we was putting this together. So, um, but um, I want to ask this question. How many of y'all know that we are in a constant spiritual warfare? We're in a spiritual warfare for our minds, our bodies, and even our spirits. And one thing that you got to learn when you're walking and operating in a spiritual warfare is that you have to contend for your faith. Why? Because this is not an easy walk that we are partaking in. I mean, being born again is just the first step. But it's a constant walk, and you got to constantly and daily give up yourself. So knowing that we are in that type of battle, we can't give up and take our hands from the plow. And also we must finish the race that God has given unto us, and because he said all throughout his word, to the saint, in the end we win. And we got to walk in it, and we got to believe that. So if not, then face the challenges of having the glory of God removed from our lives. So since we're in this constant battle, then we are constantly put at a place to where there's a possibility of having the glory of God removed from our lives with the daily challenges that we deal with, warring in the flesh, patiently waiting while warring with Satan. So the title of my message today is, When the Glory Has Departed. When the Glory Has Departed. And um, the book of Jude, chapter 1 Verse 3 said, we must contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. Do I got any of God's holy people in this place today? Amen. Amen. So let's um, unpack this message real quick. So we're looking at the glory. The title is when the glory has departed. So when you're looking at the glory of God, there's a couple of things that you got to understand. First thing is, what is the glory of God? The glory of God means the weighty, rich manifest presence of Yahuwah constantly in your life. That's what the presence or the glory of God is, the presence, the real deep, weighty, rich, heavy, manifest presence of God. And where you know the presence of God rests and on the people and individuals the presence of God rests upon, then there's substance, there's riches, there's abundance, there's joy, there's peace, there's fruits of the Spirit in those people, those individuals. It says in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 14, verse 2, when you look at God's called out people in the Old Testament, the children of Israel, um, <clears throat> when God first called them out in Deuteronomy 14 and 2, um, it said, For thou art unholy holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all the nations of thou upon the earth. His presence is what made the children of Israel a peculiar people to him. Because unlike any other nation, God did not choose any other nation to pour himself in or place his seed in, which is Yeshua HaMashiach. All right? So to validate that, let's go to a verse of Scripture in the New Testament. As we learn in this, this house, um, testaments means testimonies. The, bar, the word of God said what two or more witnesses agree upon. That's all the testament in the Bible is, is a witness. So if anything spoken in the Old Testament, you can see it again in the New Testament. 
the word always confirms itself and bear witness to itself. Let's go to, let's turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. When you have it, say amen. Here's Christ in the New Testament quoting the same thing, or here's the New Testament quoting the same thing that was spoken in old. Said, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, us born again believers, that ye should show forth the praises unto him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So there's Israel in the Old Testament. They had the presence of God with them, and it was manifest. Through the Ark of the Covenant. That's what they carried around. The Ark represented the presence of God being with the camp of Israel. Us New Testament believers, if you want to call yourself that, I still call myself Israel. Because God never changed his people. Alright? So if New Israel, we still got that presence. We still got that glory walking with us. So instead of it being just in that container or that Ark, it's inside of us. You should be carrying the presence of God everywhere you go. Alright? And it should show up. Even in gatherings like churches, everybody should be bringing a piece of God with them in the house in the morning. And when we get together, that power should just unite like the old cartoon Voltron and create this new uh, creature. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're supposed to be at. (laughs) So let's get into and look at this presence of God. What happened to us when we lose the presence of God? So our main text today, we're going to be coming out of um, 1 Samuel. And our first text today is going to be uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And f- go to chapter uh, 4 and 15. If you put that on the screen for me, please. And it reads, Now Eli was ninety and eight years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. Let's break this down real quick. Because, see, when the Bible speaks, it speaks in symbolisms. And everybody's name and different words in the Bible has certain messages to it. So when you look at the word Eli, Eli means in the representation of the high priest. Spiritually, it, it represents exaltation or going up. It's the highest level of order or thought in man. That's why he was considered a high priest. It represents the highest intellect, but once that... Intellect is under submission to spiritual discipline. That's what Eli is supposed to represent. Okay? And the word says that Eli was at the age of 98. There's two numbers there. You got the number 9 and you got the number 8. What did that mean? The number 9 means that there is a completeness or ending that's about to take place. It's the reason why the Bible specifically gave his, his age. So 9 represents a completeness or an ending. And then the number eight represents a new beginning or a change. Okay? And, and, and also take note in verse 15 that it said that Eli's eyes became dim that he could not see. So that's what happens in the life of a believer. If we're not careful, if we're not daily picking up our word and our cross and we're following Christ, our eyes can become dim. Become dim means we begin to lose vision. We begin to lose sight. We begin to lose focus. And the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. 
But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Okay? So his eyes became dim. He could no longer see clearly. So what did that mean? His spiritual discernment began to wax from him. Okay? And his vision had left. The exalted priest has lost his vision and lost his way with the Lord. That's what's going on and taking place in this text. Everybody with me? So let us keep on reading to find out as we unpack this message. Uh, skip on down with me to verse uh, 17 and 18. So the children of Israel had went in a war. They became puffed up, arrogant, and confident in their own doing. That they decided to use God no longer to reverence God, but they started using God as their their weapon. All right, we got the ark of God. We got the presence of God. We can misuse God any way we want to. All right, they didn't have permission totally to go and fight against those Philistines. They was out of order, and they was out of order because of the ones that were leading them. And we're gonna look into that. And First Samuel um, chapter four, verse seventeen through eighteen, and it reads, "And the messenger." Answered and said, Israel is fled. So here's a, um, a, a soldier that fled the war and came back to give a report of what taking place. Let me throw that out there. And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there has been also great slaughter among the people. I think the word of God said it was over 30,000 that were slain. And thy two sons also, Hophni, Phinehas, are dead. And the ark, the presence of God, the glory of God is taken. And it came to pass when he had made mention of the ark of God, that he, Eli, the 98-year-old, fell from his seat backwards by the side of the gate. And his neck did break, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy. When he say he was an old man and heavy, that means he became comfortable in his position. Where his eyes became dim. Where he lost focus in that intimacy with God. Where the presence of God wasn't dwelling with him in the beginning like it was in his ending. He became heavy. He became comfortable. And he had judged Israel for 40 years. Alright, so let, let's dig into this real quick. Alright, so Eli had two sons. Sons represented the bitter or the spiritual part of man. You got one son whose name was Hophni. Which means strong-fisted. Or a fighter. And then the other one. He has was named Phinehas. Now, Phinehas has a dual meaning in the spirit. All right. The first meaning means the model prophecy. And then the second meaning for Phinehas is the model of the serpent. And I'm going to go over it and give you a distinction between the two here shortly. So both sons are dead and the Ark of the Covenants or the presence of God has been removed from Israel and has been given into the enemies. Of Israel. Skip on down with me on to verse 19. So Hophni is dead. Phinehas is dead. Eli just died and broke his neck. But his daughter-in-law, sorry, uh, 1 Samuel 4, 19 through verse 20. If you put that on the screen for me, please. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tithings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed. For her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, 
meaning she died from giving childbirth. The woman stood by her and said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not. Neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God, the presence of God, the manifest presence of God, has been removed. And because her father-in-law and husband is dead. It's very interesting to me. That this woman on her deathbed having a son. It's a blessing in Israel anytime you conceive a child and give a son. That means you got a seed bearer that can carry on your generational name. She didn't find the light in that. In, in other words, she just called a spade a spade. She named her son Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. So she just watched and witnessed her husband dying. She just watched and witnessed her husband's father dying. And then most importantly, she watched and witnessed the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, being removed from the house of Israel. So she just called a spade a spade. Y'all no longer bless people. Y'all curse. Y'all Ichabod. The glory has departed you. And I want you to make this word this morning, internalize it and make it personal amongst yourself as we go through it. And make sure that you're not living in a place to where the glory might have departed from your life. All right? Make it personal. That's what it's all about. So let us examine and look deeper into the two sons of Eli. So the first son's name was Hophni. Hophni. Hophni means pugnacious in the spirit realm. Meaning he had a pugnacious spirit. A pugnacious spirit person is a person that loves to quarrel. They love to argue and they love to fight. They're always looking for opposition. Now, you tell me, what is a person like that doing in leadership? Mm. Let's look at the next son, Phinehas. Phinehas has a dual meaning. When Phinehas is in tune with the spirit of the Most High, it represents the mouth of prophecy. One of the biggest contentions in the house of God and that's the reason why you get all types of attacks, all types of spirit try to manifest themselves throughout congregations, different things, because the whole design is they want to shut up the mouth of the prophet. Shut up the mouth of the prophet. Because, see, when you're in Phinehas and you are in tune and, and right standing with the spirit and the spirit of God is operating in you, then your name represents a mouth of prophecy. Okay? See, any church house or assembly, that has no prophetic voice, then the people are left uninformed. They ain't got no watchmen in place that can see or hear and sound the alarm of what's coming on. That's the reason why our society is in the turmoil that it is now. Because the, the church, the body of Christ as a whole, we fumble the ball. We so care more about trying to become more and more partakers of this world, fit in with the society around us, get these jobs, get these material things, that we lost sight of the most important thing. And that was the presence of God being active in our lives. We sat there and then, then on top of that, the devil made mockery of us. What they do? They put all this fear on television, false evidence appearing real. They fear mongered you. They got the church like everybody else. They tell them, you know what? Slap a muzzle on the church. That's why we're walking around in these masks today. You know what I'm saying? 
when we should have been taking a stand and speaking out against what we've been seeing, we sat there and allowed this stuff to manifest to a level now. Now they think they got us. Now they're going to keep continuously sending us a bunch of bad reports. They're going to keep fear-mongering us and try to push us into an agenda. All because the church cared more about conforming to the world instead of taking a stand for righteousness. Instead of bearing the presence. Instead of bearing the ark of God. And leading this nation the way it's supposed to be led. Alright? So let's continue. So, still dealing with Phinehas. And one thing you got to understand, with that prophetic anointing, that revelatory knowledge, it must stay disciplined. Because if not, then the one person that has that gifting or that calling, they become conceited in their own minds. You know what I'm saying? They allow pride and self-righteousness and selfishness will lead them. And when it's pride, self-righteousness and lead them, the only thing that's left is a fall. Pride and selfishness will always lead a person to their own personal destruction. Why? Because the glory is gone. Um, Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18, it speaks. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Mm, 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 mm. That's crazy. But that's what we're dealing with. So when a person or individual becomes out of order with the spirit, it means now they went from having that spirit and operating in their spiritual um, gates of revelatory knowledge and understanding. Now they have taken on the move from the mouth of prophecy. Now they've moved to the mouth of the serpent. That's the duality of Phinehas. So when you operate in that spirit and you become a mouth for the serpent, that person or that individual becomes very harsh. Show extreme bitterness towards people, even the children of God. They become shameless. Meaning they have no regard or no self-respect. They go from being at one level of stability to now don't nothing matter to them. They lost their self-respect. They allow themselves to fall from grace in their own personal walk with God. It's like the things of God don't matter to them no more. And understand, when sin creeps in and you're in a backslidden condition, it don't happen overnight. There were steps and stages that got you to that place. There were steps and stages that you went without repenting daily and constantly seeking the face of the Most High for the, um, the repentance of your sin. A person that's operating as a mouth of the serpent, it has no shame in their sins or their lifestyles. They become insolent. They become rude and arrogant. Show lack of respect to others and lack of respect to the things of God. They become presumptuous, failing to observe the limits toward what is appropriate and acceptable behavior in their everyday life. We're talking about when the glory has departed. Y'all walk with me real quick. Let's go to um, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. We're still digesting and unpacking these two sons of Eli and what they represent. How did it get to the point so bad that God allowed 30,000 people to be destroyed by their, uh, Israel, of Israel to be destroyed by their enemies? And then why did the uh, priest, the high priest, and his two sons die? All because of that one battle. We're going to unpack that real quick. Let's go to 1 Samuel, chapter 12, verse 2. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. I'm backwards. 1 Samuel 2, verse 12. There it is. <laughs> and it reads, Now the sons of Eli were sons of who? Belial, interesting. 
They didn't say they were sons of God. We're going to find out what Belial means. Not only were they sons of Belial, but also they knew not the Lord. Now answer this. How are you going to stand in a prophetic calling or office and you don't know God? You don't have no communion with the Holy Spirit. And you sitting up here trying to lead folks. That's a problem. Y'all understand? That's a major problem. <laughs> so let's break this down and find out what's going on. So the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Belial spiritually means they were men of worthlessness. The Bible called them. They was worthless. So you got two worthless men operating in the priesthood. Dealing with the sacrificial offering. The sacri- um, sacrificial things of God pertaining to God. Okay? So Belial means worthlessness, lawlessness, wickedness, and evil. It represents a man in his fallen condition and spirit. A person that seeks the pleasure of the flesh over the things of the spirit in God. These were sons operating in the duty of the office of the priesthood, but had no relationship with God and did not even know him. And the thing that we got to understand in these churches Sometimes I call them bell houses because the way they set up, they don't understand they're operating in a different spirit than what God taught us through the, through the, um, through the word of God. So when you're operating in, the, in, in, in these people, sometimes we hold people to high esteems in these churches based off their gifting or their talents. We hold them at a high esteem based off these things more than we do their relationship and walk with God. And that's a problem. And understand this, when once a spirit man, spirit-filled man began to use their gifting and calling for selfish material gains or for their own personal agendas, that's what leads and causes them to fall. You were set up to esteem God. You were set up to help the sick, help those that are spiritually broken. You're not set there to build a ministry and a shrine unto yourself. But that's what you see going on in most churches. People have placed pastors in the wrong place. They can't even see and hear for God who Christ ripped the veil with him giving up the ghost. We don't only need a mediator here on earth. We got a mediator in the spirit. But we can't see God because we got man in the wrong place. We can't even live our life and make personal decisions because we always got to think we got to go through that man to get to the Father, but we got a mediator in the Spirit, and his name is Jesus Christ. So what happens is, when you become selfish, and you start partaking and trying to build a kingdom unto yourself, instead of the kingdom of God, then what happens is, you slowly, slowly, slowly begin to lose that presence. And after that presence has left you completely, you become unfit for the success of the things in the spirit. Spiritually, you become incapacitated. They begin to lose their glory because the presence of God is no longer operating at a level that it once was in their life. And as spiritual leaders and as born-again believers, our strength resides in being in unity with God, having his presence, allowing the Ruach Hokadesh, the set-apart spirit, to have his way and his rule in our life. That's what makes us peculiar as this dispensation of the church. is having that Holy Ghost, that seal, that's going to keep you to the very end. That's what you got to have. 
And another thing that keeps and sustains us is having the ability to speak the truth to the people. Not man-made doctrine. Not the doctrine of men. Not some watered-down tradition that was passed through some theologian school. But that download that comes through the Holy Spirit unto the believer. That's And then teaching it to the people. That's what it's all about. So let's skip on down and see these sons of Belial, sons of the devil, sons of adversary. See what else they done done. Wicked leaders. Skip down to 2, 1 Samuel 2 and 17. When this spirit goes unchecked, it's not only affecting their lives, but it's going to affect the lives of the people attached to them. And it reads, wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. For men abhorred, that means men hated, the offering of the God, of the Lord. Mm. So the sin of the young men was so great that they started making the men of Israel to hate the ordinance of God, the offering of God. They made serving God to become grievous. They made the ministry become self-serving, all about their rule and not about obedience to Yahuwah. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Jesus Christ said that his yoke was what? Easy. And his burden is what? Light. So now you got leaders operating out of order and they're calling the people to become grievous. Man, I'm not showing up to church service. Why? It's grievous worshiping the most high. And it never should have been like that. Skip on down with me real quick. Still looking at these sons. Still looking at these sons. Not only this, let me, let me throw this in here. So not only was they messing up the, the sacrificial offering the way God told them to, but these guys were so wicked that they began to sleep with the women <laughs> inside of the congregation. Think about that. They sitting up here fornicating with different women in the fornication. It's in the word. It's in the word, but due to time, I'm trying to keep moving. That's how these sons of Belial, Hophni, and Phinehas had become. I right, skip down to uh, 1 Samuel 2 and 25. Because <clears throat> now here's Eli, the father, the high priest. He got a word about what his sons was doing. Now he got to step in and intervene. And that's what he's supposed to do. You're a high priest. You're a father. You're a husband. You're over a home. You're over a ministry. Your job is to keep everything in line. You got to weed out and get rid of wickedness in your own household. Because if not, and that wickedness go unchecked, it's going to bring judgment. Let's read. 1 Samuel 2, verses 22 to 25. Now, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto Israel and how they lay with women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do ye do, why do ye, why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. It's one thing that you sin. You falling short. But when your sins begin to affect the other life, the uh, lives of other believers, that's when the problem comes in. That's when God going to step in. And if nobody checked that, and that's when God going to lay the hammer down. And I don't, mm, some things you just don't want to be under. 
especially not no judgment. <laughs> and it say, uh, make ye the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sins against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their fathers. So not only were they wicked, but here's their dad, their father going to try to correct them, talking to them. And they hearken not unto his voice. Sometimes when you're in leadership, sometimes even in our own household, when we're dealing with our children and raising them, sometimes you got to take more than just talking. Sometimes you got to lay that hammer down on them. Sometimes you got to put that rod to them and correct them. He going to hurt them. It might hurt you while you're doing it, but that's what's going to spare their life in the end. That's what's going to get that demon out of them. That's what's going to get that contrite spirit up out of their temple is, is you doing that. So the sons were fornicating with the women of the assembly. They desecrated the priestless office and their duties. They had no reverence for God, no reverence for the things of God. In essence, they were doing what we normally see going on in our society today. They, they was playing church. They showed a lack of respect for the holy things. The leaders caused Israel to, to transgress before God. And even after Eli's rebuke, they still did not hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And then they started having a rebellious spirit because they went against their father when he tried to correct them. And the Bible says in the book of Samuel that rebellion is as the sin of what? Witchcraft. Mm, that's a powerful demon you operating in when you're rebellious to God. So let's skip on down. Let's go down to 2, still, still in First Samuel, chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. So now, Eli wasn't hard as he needed to be on his sons. When you saw what the men was doing, sleeping with the women, messing up the offering, causing Israel to transgress, they should have been sat down. They should have been removed from their position of authority. But Eli didn't do it. Why? Dr. Manley always tells us, man, you can't have no friends in this pulpit. Whatever the law or whatever command is for one is for all. And when you want to nip wickedness in the butt, you got to step up to it. You got to be bold. But Eli didn't do that. He just spoke to him and he didn't do it. So what happens when the priest don't make things right and set his house in order? Judgment comes. Proverbs 19 and 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is still hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crime. Proverbs 13 and 24 said, He that spares the rod hates his son, but he that loveth him chastises him. Bedtimes. All right. So let's skip on down to here to, um, let's go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, still dealing with chastisement of the father, setting the house in order. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23, verses 13 through 14. And it reads, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beateth him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and she, he, sh- and shall deliver his soul from hell. That's what it's all about. It ain't about no, 
abuse, sometimes you got to put things in order with force. Eli's sons died for the failure of their father to properly correct them. That was what it was all about. And then a judgment was passed on Eli himself. A judgment was passed on Eli himself because he did not adhere to the words of God and follow them. A judgment was placed on. So when you're looking at these things, when you're talking about keeping the presence of God in your life, you got to understand. You got to make sure that your walk is sure. You got to understand that people pleasing can cause you to lose the presence of God in your life. To all the young folk in the house trying to fit in, trying to be popular in this society can cause you to lose that presence, that manifest presence of God in your life. Single people being desperate for companionship can cause you to take your focus off God and put it on things or people that are not even supposed to be assigned to your life. And because you're chasing and putting more effort into those things than seeking out the will of God for your life, it can cause you to backslide and lose the presence of God. Leaders trying to fulfill their own personal desires and agendas in ministry at the cost of the people can cause you to lose that presence of God. Because at the end of the day, God is not going to allow you to ruin his people. And everybody in here is an influencer. Everybody in here got a set of people that's been assigned to your life. Everybody in here, our lives go through seasons. And everybody that's in your season, your life this season may not be in your life on the next season. I tell my students in class all the time that life is like a sitcom. And you look at you go watch a Netflix sitcom. They got five seasons. Some of the characters you saw in season one is not going to show up in season six. They only there for a season. And our job and why we're in each other's life is to learn from each other. As we grow stronger and stronger into God's vibration, which is love, we're to learn from each other. And then the next season of our life, certain individuals are going to move on. You're going to move on. And you're going to have new people in your life. And your job is to go through that process again. Learn. What can I learn from these individuals? What can I teach? What can I teach? I know today we're celebrating our um, graduates. But one thing you got to learn about life. Everybody, when you go out there, you look at that graveyard outside, you're going to see three things. You're going to see a beginning date. You're going to see a dash. And you're going to see an ending date. Our job as born-begin believers, we got to get to a point of maturity where it's all about our legacy. What do your dash say about you? How many lives have you impacted during that dash? How many lives have you changed? How many people have you helped? How many poor have you witnessed to? How many people have you ministered to? How many people that was going through something and you spoke a word in their life that brought forth a change? What do your dash, what will your dash say about you? What's your legacy going to be on this earth? Because we're only here for a vapor. If I said life is like a vapor. Then we gone. What you doing with your dash? Or you just sitting around, taking it lightly, playing church, don't really have a personal relationship with God, even though you come and you serving, but you ain't got no relationship. It's all about relationship. What you connected to. The word uh, Proverbs uh, 3 and 7 says, 
And this is a warning to the body of Christ today. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Why? Because conceited and arrogant people are wise in their own eyes. They refuse to be led and cannot be instructed. And we see people like this all the time. They so feel a self or vain glory or self-righteousness, they can see everybody else's problems, everybody else's fault. But And I always want to point a finger at other people, but they never pull a thumb back to self and correct self and get self in order. You know what I mean? That's a self-righteous person. That's a conceited and arrogant person. They know how to fix everybody else's life and their situations, but they can't fix their own personal failures. God is calling us today, church, to get our own house in order before his judgment seeks us out. I got two more scriptures to go to, and then I'm going to be wrapping this thing up. Turn with me real quick to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And I just want to leave us with this as a warning, especially for born-again believers. Why? Because that's God said when judgment comes, he's going to start at his house first. Why? Because y'all carried his name. Jesus Christ said, many shall come in my name, saying that I am Christ, and shall deceive many. That means that banner of, called Christian or Christianity, a lot of deception was going to come in the world. Because people are going to claim that title and not walk that lifestyle. So let's go to um, Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 4 through 6. Put that on the screen for me, please. And it reads. Sorry about that. And it reads, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and to have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, for them to renew themselves again into repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God of flesh, afresh, excuse me, and have put him to an open shame. So everybody that's walking under that banner, they're claiming to have that relationship with God and be connected to the Ruach Hokadesh that makes you set apart. It's impossible for you to have tasted the goodness of the fruit of the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, you went back and got to a condition where no longer is the glory of God operating in your life. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's like you sat there and got on a little rafter and went out there in the Atlantic Ocean and then got stuck. Ain't no guarantee you're going to find your way back to shore. You understand? And we're living in an hour to where judgment comes rapidly. You seeing one day, I mean, it's just things are happening. We're getting closer and closer to perilous times and what the Bible calls Jacob's Troubles. You gotta guard your faith. You gotta contend for your faith. These Luciferians that are around us and that's running our society, they are open. They are blunt. They're in your face about what they believe. They ain't no longer hiding in closets and closed doors. They in the media showing you what they all about. What are we gonna take a stand for, church? What are we gonna be about? We gonna still allow them same ones to muzzle us and keep us by hidden behind masks? And not speaking out against the atrocity that's going on in our societies around us? What are we going to be about? Are we going to allow their wickedness to cause the glory of God to not only leave us, 
but even leave this nation because we're unwilling to stand, because we're worried and more concerned about the material things that we've attached ourselves to and losing them than we care about the presence of God in our life. Think about it. And I'm going to go to on this last scripture. If y'all would turn with me to Psalms chapter 10. Oh, excuse me. Psalms chapter 51. It's my last scripture for today. We got to get to the place to where we're like King David in our everyday walk, in our everyday life. Psalms chapter 51. And we're going to start at verse 10. And I'm going to read down to... Let's read down to 13. Here's King David. And we know David's story. David was upright. He had a heart for God. But David sinned too. He fell short. He should have been out there on the battlefield with the kings fighting with the children of Israel. Instead, he decided he wanted to stay home, stay back, be lazy, instead of on his post. And because he was out of order and out of position, he caused an innocent man called Uriah to be murdered. Just so he can get with his wife. You understand? So when we're not operating the way we're supposed to fully in the faith and doing thus says the Lord and his will and call for our life, we put ourselves in jeopardy of a fall. And all it takes is one slip. So look what David said. David understood his money didn't matter. His castles didn't matter. His flock, his congregation didn't matter. That was one thing that mattered to King David. And verse 10 reads, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Don't take your glory away from me, Lord. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy what? Holy Spirit. The Ruach, Hokadesh, the set-apart spirit. The spirit that makes us a peculiar people. In the sight of wicked men. Don't take that away from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And the whole me with thy free spirit. Then, this is a disclaimer. After God has restored you, this is the next thing you need to do. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. That's my word for the day, church. I want you to evaluate your own life and your own standing with the Most High. And don't be like Hophni and Phineas. Don't become an Ichabod to where the glory of God has departed from your life. Make sure that you constantly check your walk with God every day. Make sure you're praying, seeking his face. Maybe you make sure that you're constantly daily, because we all got to die daily to our flesh. Make sure you're repenting daily of all the sins that you've done in your life. Because you never know when the, when the time or when the hour is going to come. Everybody good? All right, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I hope y'all was blessed by this word. And thank you.